you're going to have to build a team at one point. When you're really looking to go to the next level and actually talk to VCs, you've got to have a great team and you've got to have a proven track record and you've got to have shown that you all can execute together and work well together. Welcome to the How to Build an App podcast. We started this show to help app founders refine their idea, build insanely useful apps, scale it up and change the world. This podcast is brought to us by you and your ideas. We fund this podcast from our full service app development agency, Strides Development. When you're ready to build an amazing app, we can help you take it from idea to a finished app in a few months. Right now, we're offering a free strategy call to talk to you about your app and give some direction when it comes to building it. You can book your call at strides.dev. That's strides.dev. Welcome back to How to Build an App. This is part two of a two-part episode with Aaron Mitchell, founder of Freeplay. I'm your host, Austin Betzer, and I'm here with our co-host, Bodri Price. In part one, Aaron shared some of his backstory and what led him to create Freeplay, as well as some of the hard lessons he learned along the way. Just to recap a little, Freeplay is an app that allows any group fitness instructor connect with and coach their fitness communities live, but it has a lot of awesome other features we talked about in part one. Coming in part two, Aaron talks about how he's able to build an awesome founding team that has persevered and pivoted through major challenges like COVID-19. Stick around to the end for three awesome pieces of advice for new founders and some great insight onto how to pick the right team and why it's so vital. Um, let's talk. So you, you guys have received a couple rounds of funding. Is that correct? Yeah. Let's talk about that journey. And, and what did you have? I mean, obviously you bootstrapped and sweat equity this thing for a long time. At what point did you say, okay, we need investors to kind of keep going or we need to make this to the next level? How far did you get in terms of the technical product? Like explain to everybody, like, what did you do before you, you went to VCs? Like, where was your product at? What stage was it at? We had about 2000 paying customers. Our product honestly wasn't anything technically that special but i think what where we were where we were having success was like just on the variety of gyms that we that we had available on the platform um Mm. which for us is the is the big value right it's not necessarily the tech it's like who's using it what partners do we have um i'd have to go back and look at exact numbers but i think we were around like a hundred business part like fitness partners on the app and we had 2000 customers. We were doing about, I want to say we were at like 50,000 in, in MRR. Um, mm. So, you know, we had a pretty well-developed business at that so at that point. For our listeners, MMR, monthly reoccurring revenue, if anybody doesn't know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. It's okay. So, so you, you guys, and here's, here's my point is like, you didn't just come to investors with a idea, right? You guys had. 2000 customers, a hundred partnerships, and you guys are making $150,000 every month in monthly reoccurring revenue, which, which opened up that path. How much money did you invest in your own money to get to that point? Yeah, I I put about, um, 30 or 40,000 into Into the the business to get the product. Yeah. Yeah. But it wasn't all, I mean, it wasn't like one big outlay. It was like, okay, once we hit certain milestones, I was like, I think this, I think this is going to work. So I kept investing more. And this was just um, with, with one developer, right? Yeah, it was uh, it was a grind. So I, I think for us, like we said, okay, this is working. Um, we're tired of living off of Top Ramen, and mm-hmm. our wives are also tired of living off of Top Ramen. 
So let's go get some outside investment and let's formalize this thing. Let's make it, you know, make it so that we can pay ourselves and and have not be just killing ourselves over this thing and, and actually make it go. So that that was the decision process for us. Well, and 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 I think that people just need to understand like you guys had tangible things at this point. You guys yeah. have validated, you guys have made a product and it was successful. People think they can just go to investors with a pitch deck and get $200,000. Like you can't, no there's way. no, yeah. I, unless you've already like done it, you can't. Yeah. If yeah. this is your first time as a founder, good luck raising an, on an idea. Um, and you're going to spend way more time trying to get money from people than you are building the product. And that's, mm-hmm. in my opinion, that's dumb. Go yeah. build something that people want and uh, and then you can go raise money. I think the other problem is, is like you see all the success stories, right? Like I, I do this still. You're like, how did this company just raise 50 million on this stupid product? You know, like I can easily go do that. And we, we make this mistake of being like, like I honestly, I had a ride sharing idea that um, before Uber and I, I actually like have the design, I have the receipts to prove it. I have like the designs and stuff for this, for this app, but there's a million companies that could have built an Uber app, but Uber built Uber because they were really, really good at operating and executing. And so it really does come down to like execution. It's not just the technology stack. It's not the the mm-hmm. app that you build. It's your ability to execute. And uh, that's, that gets lost so much. Um, and uh, that's that's what really like you have to be able to prove that to an investor. This is why we're going to win. This is why we're excellent operators and can execute on this vision. And that's that's ultimate. Like if you have data to prove that, then you're way way ahead of of everyone else. And I think the the important thing to take out of what you just said too is the we portion. I like most people. I think when they're starting, think it's it, they can go do this and it's just them. Right. But nobody invests. And I shouldn't say nobody, but most of the time people aren't going to invest in just one person. You might be able to go and get, you know, a couple rounds of angel investment with just you, but you're going to have to build a team at one point when you're really looking to go to the next level and actually talk to VCs. You've got to have a great team and you've got to have a proven track record and you've got to have shown that you all can execute together and work well together. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, raising VC money is not easy, um, and it's a huge milestone when you do raise raise venture back money. It's uh, huge. So that's why it's celebrated so heavily in the in the tech world, right? Yeah, I mean, it how is. How many yeah. times do you see a new company just gets a new round of VC, and everybody's just pumped for them because, like, mm-hmm. it's not an easy task. Um, yeah. When when you're going through that, and kind of you talked about the things that are lost, anything that you would have done differently. When that, when that whole process, I mean, obviously there's probably, and, and, and I think failures, people love to hear the failure stories because like, dude, yeah. this guy still, still did it. But what, what would you have done like a little bit different in that whole getting money, eating ramen? Like, <laughs> yeah, um, man, there's so many things, honestly. Um, you, you just learn like your first rodeo, you, you learn so much. Um, I actually published a, uh, a medium post on this, if you guys want to go check it out. But, um, there's a few things that I would say, like you have to learn early on. I remember some of the best advice I've gotten as an entrepreneur is I sat down with the CEO of Landesk and that's now Avanti. It's, they do an enormous amount of sales, one of the biggest tech companies in Utah, but it's just really boring software. 
Um, <laughs> but uh, we he took me out to lunch, and I was just kind of telling him how it was going, and he just sat and listened, and then he said, "Aaron, you are on a really, really fun, but a r- extremely difficult journey, and there's days where you're gonna be like." on the highest of highs. And then an hour later, you're going to be the lowest of lows. Like that's the the volatility as a founder is crazy. And he said, the only advice I'm going to give you is just keep going. The companies that win are the ones that can persevere and push through the difficult times and then come out on the other side alive. You know, it's, it's the cockroach strategy. It's never die. And, uh, so I think that's my that's my number one advice is just don't die. Like keep going, keep pushing. You're going to have terrible days. It happens, but uh just keep at it. The other two pieces of advice I would give is if you are fundraising, then be fundraising. Like I made the mistake early on of kind of like stretching out my fundraising process and I would take it like a VC meeting every couple of weeks or something. Don't, don't do that. Like if, if you're going to go raise money, then focus on going and raising money and put all of your effort behind that. Otherwise you're, you're just not going to be successful. And then my last piece of advice is be very careful and thoughtful about who you choose on your founding team, because it's a marriage. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Like you're with these people more than I'm with my spouse, right? And you're going through this really emotional journey together. And if you don't like have a great relationship with those people and you're not investing in those relationships, it's not going to work. And that's, that's in my experience, what um, destroys teams faster than anything is, is just bad chemistry and um, founder issues. So let's kind of jump into like the emotional portion of it. Cause I know that you guys made a huge pivot recently, especially with COVID. Like, when did you realize that it was time to pivot? And how did you go about executing it? Because it's one thing to notice that you need to pivot. But again, like we mentioned earlier, it's the execution that's always the hardest portion. And -hmm. I think that's, you probably have a really interesting story there. When COVID hit, the next week, our revenue had dropped 80% monthly recurring revenue. So did you say eight, zero, 80? Eight, zero. Yeah, 80. Yeah. Hey, let's yeah. go back to that thing about don't die. <laughs> yeah. That, at that point, like death was imminent. You know, we, we kind of looked and so we're like, okay, we've got like, this is when we turn into a cockroach and um, we don't know what's going to happen with this pandemic. We think it's going to have huge effects, but we don't know what they are. And so we had to lay off a couple people. That was, that was the hardest week of my, of my life. Um, we kind of rallied the team together. We said, look, guys, like we're not quite sure what we need to build yet, but right now we're going to optimize for learning. We're going to learn as much as we can about what's happening, what's going on. We're going to try as many things as we can. And so we actually got, um, we actually started doing a lot of things outside of the product. Um, and and mm. this, this is something that I would very, I'd very much recommend. Like if you can test Product development is, is just, it's just a, a science experiment. And when you say like, I think that this product is going to solve a problem, that's your hypothesis, right? So if you can test that hypothesis without having to put a line of code behind it, if you can do it in some other kind of really hacky way, 100% mm-hmm. always go that route. 
always take the hacked together approach. So we started doing like our own live streaming on YouTube. We started working directly with a lot of popular fitness instructors in the area. And then we also, um, <laughs> we rented some equipment, some sound equipment from my, my dad actually in Oregon because his gym was shut down. Um, oh. And we started doing early morning classes at Sky Ridge High School on their track <laughs> without their permission. <laughs> um, <laughs> And so we would just host every day. We would host a, an early morning class outside. It was pretty wild. You know, sometimes it would be rainy. Sometimes it'd be like blowing 25 mile an hour winds, but we had a good time. And we learned through that experience that because all these gyms were shutting down, the instructors who are the primary value creator were mm -hmm. now finding this way to go direct to consumer and mm -hmm. teach these classes online or teach them in person. And when we talked to the instructors about what was happening, they said, yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I just made 120 bucks teaching in my backyard. Like this is a dream come true. And you know, uh -huh. at a gym, they make 25, 30 bucks a class. Mm -hmm. So we're like, well, that's really interesting. <laughs> and, um, we, we interviewed a bunch of them. And so we, and then we came up with this concept of like, what if we built a platform for these instructors to go direct to consumer and run their whole business? So they're not having to use Venmo to, to collect payments and count mm -hmm. Google calendar to, to track schedules and all that stuff. So we threw up some mock-ups. We reached out to the instructors that we had been working with and walked them through the mock-ups. And like, I have never had a product resonate so perfectly with our audience as it did then like you knew as soon as we put it in front of them they're like wait it does what like you're gonna build this uh yeah like can i when can i use this this is amazing this is 10 out of 10 i think that was uh you know despite like losing all of our revenue it was very very exciting um going through this pivot and making the decision to be like all right we're gonna go do this because it kind of mm -hmm. felt like we were starting over in a way, but we had momentum on our side and we had money in the bank and we had an engineering team. Um, so yeah. it was th scary, but really thrilling as well for us. So I feel like, and, and this is kind of in the, in the same ballpark, but like there's a fine balance between capitalizing on a pivot and, and what the, so like, how much, where was that balance of like, hey, we need to validate a ton and how long is this going to take? And then what if COVID was over and then so, no longer needed the platform? Like, yeah, how, that's like a weird thing you're balancing, right? Yeah. Um, I think at that point we realized like this, this pandemic's not ending anytime soon. And we only have, we have a finite amount of runway before we're out of money. So mm -hmm. for us, like I had an MBA student try to do a case study on us and I was like, He's like, tell me about like the data that you had, like what analysis did you did to make the decision that you're going to pivot? And I was like, I, I don't think you understand, dude. Like this was like, we had a week where we were testing this with our instructors and like running this concept by them. And we had to go, like, we didn't have time to go do all this market research. And quite frankly, no one had any answers anyway, because this was all uncharted territory. So mm -hmm. we, we just went with our gut. We knew the industry. We, we know all the mechanics around this. So we're like, we think this is going to work, but it may not. And we might be wrong. And, you know, we'll, uh, we'll have a fun time along the way. Um, but that was kind of our mentality is like, 
no one could have planned for a global pandemic. So let's yep. just have some fun and, and so, build something so cool. Pivot or die, right? I, I feel like yeah, in exactly. that situation, you guys were in a, a pivot or die situation. Would you agree? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. And I'm really excited. I'm really glad we made the pivot. It was a lot of fun. It's still, but it's still a lot of fun. During the so. time, it wasn't though, right? Looking back, like actually, that was a lot of fun. But maybe sometimes we get a little lost. Like, dude, that was a ton of work, or that was a scary moment, and we pivoted correctly. We executed. I feel like the biggest thing, and you said this early in the podcast, is like yeah. just execute, right? You have to, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I don't know. Like for me, during the pivot, I was actually like very excited. You know, something that I I'll, I'll hang my hat on till I die is. Um, the team that that we've built at free play executes at an extremely high level and our product team is just phenomenal it's absolutely phenomenal so um it was so exciting i mean every week we were churning out like these crazy new features that would take other companies years to build and we were just cranking through it was it was a ton of fun to be honest that's cool well, and then that's also like speed to market, right? How important is it the fact that you could get this to market as fast as possible? And development yeah. is slow, right? So yeah, it's super, super slow. It's, it's crazy slow, right? And so and that's you were yeah. there. You were there, Baudry. Tell tell everybody how about like, I mean, there were plenty of features at different companies that you were at. Like by the time somebody mentioned a feature at like to add, how long did it take to even get it added? Was it six months? Was it a year? Oh, like, I still don't have did it. Did even was, come to be? That was, that was three years ago, right? Like there was a key feature <laughs> yeah. at the company I worked at. I won't say which one, but there was a key feature that every single person needed. Every single one of our clients needed it. And that was three years ago and they still don't have it, right? Yeah. yeah. And I think to your point, Aaron, it's super funny because like, I, I don't know, I'm very much like you. When something needs to be done, like I'm 100% go, go and do it. And I like there. There is a point where you need to hey make sure that that the the product or the the customers want it. But at some point, like action and doing it is going to outweigh all the questions or everything. You just got to make a decision and do it. Yeah. It's super funny. I tell Bodri, it's like if you if, if I can't find a reason to say no within ten minutes, I always say yes. That's just like my mentality. <laughs> just because like sitting and waiting just literally does nothing. Yeah. Like right. you're, you're better off blowing something up. And yeah, my old realizing it doesn't work than waiting. To make my a old my old football coaches say you can wish in one hand, shit in the other, and see which one feels the worst. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and um, you know, I think like you can't build a product in a in a room in a meeting room. You you can't do yeah. it. You have to get in front of users. You have to test it as fast as you can. And you know, I that that brings up a really good point, which is. I've seen a lot of companies make this mistake of like, all right, we're ready to go. We're going to hire a huge team of developers and we're going to like put as much firepower as we can around this. The way that I like to work and the way I've seen it be most effective is you get like one or two or maybe three really, really, really talented developers in a room and say like, this is what you're going to go build. And then just let them go. Like say, all right, have at it, figure it out. That works so much better than having to manage a, a full-on development team and keep everybody aligned and in sync. And it's why, you know, I, I worked mm -hmm. at these bigger companies. It's why I think a lot of these features took so long to build is just because like you're, you're spending most of your time managing, like herding cats and, you know, managing the, uh, the developers and not letting them just do what they do best. Which there's, there's less red tape, right? 
They have to get yeah. through. They don't have to get through approvals. They don't do. They just do it. Go and get it done. Exactly. It's minimize the red tape. Get out of the way. Let them go, and uh, you'll be very pleasantly surprised at how fast and um, how good they can develop in those environments. And it's super funny that you mentioned that because that's literally one of our biggest value props at our company is to tell people like, all you've got to do is give us the direction. We meet with you once a week and we're just going to build. We have our defined set of technologies that we're super comfortable with. And it's like, if you can come to us with just that, like, that's all we need. Like, we'll drive the direction. We'll drive everything else. And you keep doing as a founder, like what you're good at, or your team just keeps working on the existing product and we'll go and take care of everything else. And when you have the team and that's, that's if you don't have the team that can execute. So when you're, when you've already gone like above and beyond as, you know, an owner of this company and hired an amazingly talented team to go do that in-house, that's awesome. And I want to talk about that just for a little bit. What are some key characteristics that, that you look for personally in each and every one of your developers? Because it's not every developer is that way. You can't just give, a, I would say, a, a big amount of developers a problem and have them just solve it. You've yeah. got to ask a couple specific questions. I put a lot of weight on what they do not at work. Um, specifically, like I, I, I ask them, tell me about something that you've made that you're proud of that's not work-related. There are developers that are obsessed with building products and making things. And those those are the guys that are like, they're working over the weekend to build some stupid open source platform that, you know, is directed in a hobby that they're passionate about or something. But those are the mm-hmm. people that you want on your team. And so if, if, you know, if I ask them and they say, yeah, I actually built this app on my own time. It's in the app store. I've talked to developers that have like done this and it's like a top 10 app in the app store. They're just like, yeah, I just built that like in a couple of weeks and it does this thing. It's kind of cool. And you're like, dude, where did you come from? Like this, it's crazy. But um, those are the kind of people that we want on our team is people that own, yeah. that own feel it. a huge sense of ownership over what they're making. Yeah. Aaron, I, I want us to like jump in a time machine right now. Go back to Aaron at Domo who's had that muffin top and he looked at himself and thought, <laughs> oh man, I got to lose this. Yeah. What would you tell him? <sighs> what would I tell that guy? Uh, that's a deep question, by the way. And be like, first off, you're right. That muffin top is there. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What would you, what would you tell um, you at, at the beginning? I, you know, I think about this a lot. Like if I knew how hard it would be to get to where we are today, would I still do it? Um, I don't know if I have a good answer to that, to be honest. It's okay. Um, because it is really freaking hard. And I think I would just tell that person like, dude, what you're getting into, it's going to challenge you in ways that you've never been challenged before. And uh, there's going to be days where like, you think you're ready to throw in the towel and, and quit. But uh, just keep going. like dig deep, keep going, persevere. And, um, the thing that's challenging is I don't know what the end of this journey looks like, you know, you're still in it. it could, yeah, we're still, I'm still in it. And as I talk to a lot of founders, that's like the biggest point of stress for them is it's like, I'm going through this with this anticipation that I'm going to have this incredible outcome, right? I'm going to sell my company. I'm going to buy my own Island and people will never see me at work again. But you don't know if that's going to happen or not. And if, if the, um, 
if the energy and the effort and the stress that comes along with starting your own business is, is going to be worth the, the payout at the end. But um, yeah, that's what I would tell them is just, uh, just keep going and dig deep, brother. <laughs> and I think that is the best piece of advice that you can honestly give anybody listening to the show is what you're getting into is seriously not easy. And this is true for any business, but especially if you have no idea, you know, what tech is and you've never worked with an engineer, like you better be ready for some really low lows, but also some extremely, hopefully some extremely awesome highs as well. Yeah. So. And you're going to have a hella good, hella good stories with it. So um, yeah. So Aaron's going to release his book in 10 years. I already, I already called yep. the first dibs on it. So, uh, <laughs> I, wanna, call, I call first pass reader. Yep. I want to dip on that. I, so I am, I do have a little project stewing in my head right now. It hasn't, it hasn't come to fruition, but it's going to be called founders anonymous. And it's going to be all of the behind the scenes things that happen, um, in the life of a founder and all the crazy stories that you never hear. Um, and it's going to be a great read. So how dare you tease uh, our you listeners know. like that? How dare you? Yeah. So follow, follow me on Twitter for updates. Yep. Aaron Mitchie is my handle. Follow me on Twitter. Yep. I'll tell you when it's coming. Um, if you haven't, went and looked at free play that app is it's unreal austin's been using it i mean i have so many friends who use it aaron if you ever get to golf courses i will spend what's my accountants call an unhealthy amount of money at it um, <laughs> and what states are you available in well so right now we're the, all of the venues are available in utah only um with covid we pivoted into this instructor platform that's both virtual and in person and so um the instructors are from everywhere all over and uh, you can watch, you can take those classes for, for free um, from anywhere as well. So definitely go check us out. Sweet. Yeah. Follow me on Twitter. Uh, add me on LinkedIn. I love to connect with other founders, other people that are working on cool things. And um, you know, if you have a product that you're building that you need another set of eyeballs or you need some advice, I, that's, that's what I love doing. I love looking at products. I love, talking to other founders and sharing stories. And so definitely connect with me that way. Cool. Awesome. Thanks, Aaron. We super appreciate it. This was a, a fire episode. If you want to find out more about FreePlay, you can visit their website at freeplayapp.com or download the app. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you found it useful, it would really help us if you shared it with a friend. Just take a quick second to text it or to DM it to someone who would also love this. It would seriously make our entire day. Also, if you want to go deeper, we have full-length videos of all of our episodes, show notes, and a lot more at strides.dev. There's no.com at the end of that. You literally just type strides.dev in your browser. What else? Well, if you're looking to build an app, we want to talk to you. You can book your free strategy call and talk about your app with a pro at strides.dev. You can also sign up for our newsletters that gives you the ins and outs of what's going on. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.